start today. This is going to be uh, probably a three-message series, but it's going to be very broken up because we have uh, guest speakers, we have Kingdom Call coming, and different things like that. So uh, uh, it'll be a little bit broken up, but today is the first one of it. And I want to minister to us, all of us today, about faithfulness in fruitfulness, and then talk about our roots and our fruit. Uh, you've heard me say this, I can't get away from that word fruit or faith, fruitful. It, it's been in my spirit for probably about four to five, maybe even six months, that everywhere I read in the Bible, I just keep seeing not only the word, but the principle of fruitfulness. And so I want to share uh, that with you that I think will help all of us today to look at our roots to make sure if our roots are right, our fruit will be right. Makes sense? Makes sense in agriculture, doesn't it? If your tomato roots are good and solid, you're going to have some good tomatoes. If you feed them right, you put them in the right soil, right atmosphere, right climate, peppers, tomatoes, all that stuff, trees, whatever, yard, your grass. Don't talk about grass right now. As hot as it is. It's tough. Just keeping it alive. Anyway, roots and fruit. In Genesis, and this is where it starts. In Genesis 1.28, it says, God blessed them, Adam and Eve, saying, be fruitful. That was the first thing he spoke to them. Be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And then there's many times in the Old Testament, but we'll jump to the New Covenant. Jesus said these words. God said in Genesis 1, Jesus said in John 15, verse 8, By this my Father, the Lord God, is glorified that you do what? Bear much fruit. So all of creation from both God the Father's perspective and Jesus' perspective was that all of creation, plant life, animal life, human life, was to be fruitful and multiply. Now, that's just not having babies or children or other fruit trees, peach trees and everything like that. It's bearing fruit that honors the Lord, as we'll see. Desiring to bear good fruit in our lives must begin with thinking about the roots because the root bears the fruit. It's the root that bears the fruit. If the roots are bad, if the roots aren't nourished, if the roots are in bad soil, there's not going to be any fruit. And we see that in the natural and in the spiritual. So what is the root cause of what you and I are going through or even what you're experiencing in life right now? In ancient paths, uh, Amanda Ortiz uh, if you've worked with her or if you've been around them talking about ancient paths, ancient paths, we're, it is designed to go to the root of the problem. And, and she said that, and we all laugh about it now because we know you have to go to the root. You can't just fix something surface. Uh, if In the medical world, if you're having a disease or an issue or, or uh, you know, something like that, infirmity, you, you can't just band-aid it. You can't just put a topical cream on it. You have to find out what's the issue causing this. Don't just, don't just give me something to mask my symptoms or make me feel better or take away the pain. That's helpful, but just taking away the pain. So many people have made a mistake. They take something to take away the pain, and they never find out what's really wrong. And when they finally get to the point that they're hurting so bad, they go and they find out what, what's really wrong. They find out, wow, something was much deeper than just what it seemed to be, the pain that I was going through. There was a cause. There was a root cause of that pain. And, of course, you want to catch that early enough 
And sometimes people do and sometimes people don't. And us men, we men, wins, us and thans, you know, we talked about all of us last week. Men, we have a hard time going to that doctor. I don't like it either. But uh, many times we're like, you know, we're going to man, man our way through it and just man up and man our way through it. But guys, sometimes we just need to say, hey, there, go to the Lord. But uh, sometimes we need to go to the doctor. Now, I got one amen. I didn't think I'd get a lot because we don't like it as men. I, well, I just man my way through it and it'll go away. It'll stop hurting. And uh, sometimes it doesn't. Anyway, not, I told you last week that my call was to mess with you. Okay? I'm called to comfort the afflicted, but I'm also called to afflict the comfortable. <laughs> okay. I want it. That's the thing. I want it. <laughs> I want you to tell me what's wrong. Okay. Whether it's success or failure in an area of life, you know, there's some areas that we have a lot of fruit in, various areas of our life, business, family, health, you know, whatever. We have a lot of success in it, and we're blessed. But then all of us could probably look at our life and see there's areas that we're not seeing good fruit in. Now, just think about that this morning. This is not a downer. This is not a judgment or a condemnation message because at the end, you're going to hear, you know, the Lord has to show us what's wrong in order to get us to where the good can come. You know, when, when you've got, even like with ancient paths or when we have spiritual issues or we have issues like, for, for instance, if you're bitter and you're carrying bitterness and you're hurt, you're offended in your heart with somebody, you can't just ignore and pretend like everything's okay because it's not really okay. You may smile. You may be able to shake their hand. You may be able to act civil towards them. But inside of you, every time you see them, hear something about them, something rages inside of you or boils inside of you, and there's no peace. Well, until you go back and visit that area of offense and deal with it, and it is painful to do that, but you have to visit the pain in order to get healed and be totally free. So not just ancient past, but that's what Jesus was saying about forgiveness and anything else that we're dealing with in our life, both the physical and the spiritual. Okay. We focus sometimes. Here's where, we're, we, here's where we miss it. We focus on the fruit instead of looking at what's really going on in the root. Because we kind of think, well, if I look good on the outside, if things kind of appear to be okay, you know, I'll make it through it. I'll just tough my way through it. And nobody will know what I'm really going through because I don't want to appear to be deficient. I don't want to appear to be weak. I don't want to appear to be struggling. So if I just put on a happy face and be happy and fake it, you know, I'll make my way through it. But we really need to look at the root and see what the root kind of what kind of fruit the root is causing. So we need to focus on that root because the root causes the fruit. Okay? John 15, 8, again, Jesus said, My Father, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. So God wants us and God expects us. God really created us to bring fruit that would glorify Him. Not fruit necessarily that would entertain us or make us feel better. It probably will along the way because when you please the Lord, His blessing and His favors upon your life. And that's a benefit of it. Here's some questions we need to ask. What's the root cause of the blessings in your life? What are you doing right that's causing the blessings in your life? You need to know those, be able to uh, delineate them and, and, and know those because you need to keep doing those. 
You need to keep doing those, the good things. And then what's the root of a besetting sin that we're struggling with? Anybody got a besetting sin that keeps popping up in your life? Come on. This is a place to be honest. We're not going to sign you up. We're not going to march you through nothing. We've all got something, probably all of us, maybe, maybe not all of us, but most of us probably have some besetting sin that keeps on appearing in our life. What's the root of it? Have you established, have you, have you gone back, have you taken the time, or are you just glossing over and say, well, you know, this is, this is the way I am. This is the way my family was. My mom dealt with this. My dad, my grandma was like this. This is just our family. This is just heredity. heredity. This is just DNA. Listen, we're supposed to have the DNA of a child of God. We're delivered and set free from the curse. And we're supposed to be transformed and conformed and being so into the image of the Lord. Anybody want that? Okay, we want it, but you got to look at the root. If your root's bad, you're not going to have that. So what are, you know, what's the root cause of those things that we're struggling with? What's the root cause, cause of the bondage that we can't seem to break? We just keep going through the same stuff over and over and over again. It may be six months, it may be a year, it may be five years down the road, but all of a sudden, boom, it pops up again. And I say, I thought I dealt with this. I thought I was free from this. What's the root of it? When you deal with the root, you'll get rid of it. What's the root cause of losing jobs? Some people can't keep a job. They, they, they have 30, 40 jobs, and they're only like 30 and 40 years old. It's like something's wrong. That's oh, the boss. It's always the boss. Oh, it's those fellow workers that I work with. It's never the person. You know, if you've had that many jobs and that many, you know, and you're only like in your 40s, I think you probably need to look at you. Everybody else can't be that messed up. The world's not ganging up against you. Something, there's a root in you that you need to look at and deal with. Anybody? Yeah? I mean, I'm not saying raise your hand because that's you. Okay. But what's the root cause of, you know... Uh, 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 instead of focusing on other people and blaming them, sometimes we do need to look at, Lord, let your light shine on me. Search me. Psalm 139, search me, O Lord. Try me. Test me. See if there's any evil way in me. Boy, every time I pray that or think that song, I say, Lord, I said, it ain't try me. Lord, I know there is. Deal with me. Help me. And don't just point it out, but Lord, empower me. I'm praying, Lord, for your empowerment that I can get delivered from it. That we don't go down that road anymore. That I don't fall into that snare anymore, that pit. So, and then what's the root cause of bad relationships? Why do you keep getting in bad relationships? Why do you keep connecting yourself with some guy or some woman that they turn out to be the same as the other one did and you just keep going from that kind of person, that kind of person out to another? What's the root cause of that? There's a root cause of that. You need to find out what it is. Because you need to be delivered and set free because the Lord wants you to have good relationships. Blessed relationships. Fruitful relationships. What's the root cause of financial success or financial struggle? If, if you have financial success, what's the root causes of it? You need to know it, understand it, and keep doing it, keep practicing it, and share it with other people. And then if you've got financial struggles, you need to find out what's the root cause of this. Why am I always in debt? Why is there never enough? Why is there always too much month and not enough money? Why? Jesus said in Matthew 7, even so, every good tree, what does the tree come from? A root. Every good tree or root that bears good fruit 
every, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree or a bad root, it's going to bear a bad root. I mean, that's just nature and that's spiritual. A good tree or root cannot bear bad fruit. So if you've got a good root, you can't bear bad fruit is what it's saying. But if you've got a bad root, you're, you're going to bear bad fruit. We need to think about how to let the Lord, number one, ask the Lord. And this is why, this is why fasting is good. Fasting is not, as I said, to get God to change his mind or do something for us. Fasting is a humbling of ourselves to the Lord and saying, Lord, I know I need you. And uh, I know there's some things that I need to correct in my life. And fasting is you becoming weak physically so that you can become stronger spiritually. It's a trade-off. You're becoming weak spiritually or physically. And listen when, you come, listen, when you get weak physically, you start doing what? Crying out to the Lord. Oh, Lord, help me. And I have to, uh, listen, this is what I have to go through. I've already been praying this. Lord, don't help. Lord, I'm not asking you to just help me to, to, to deal with the hunger for three days, which he, I do need his help doing that. But that's not the focus. That's like saying, Lord, help me to sur- survive. No, I need more than just survive three days. I need the Holy Spirit to turn a searchlight on me. I need the Holy Spirit to communicate with me. I need to position myself in a, in a place of humility, in a place of hunger for Him rather than hunger for whatever. I need to position myself in that place of hunger for Him that I, I am receptive, that when the Holy Spirit puts His finger or searchlight on areas of my thinking, my mind, my actions, my motives, my attitude, that I will say, Yes, Lord, I'm guilty. It's me. Forgive me, but not only forgive me. Lord, come and empower me with your grace. Grace is not just God giving you his unmerited favor. Grace is the empowerment of God to help you to live the Christian life, to be transformed and conformed into this image that God has for you and I. Grace isn't just saying, ah, well, I can do that and ask for forgiveness later. That's not grace. Grace is, Lord, your empowerment to help me overcome my weaknesses. Amen. So this is the fast. It's a good time. That really goes right along with this message. And as I studied this and prayed, I said, wow, this is good. Lord, look at the root in me. Look at my roots, Lord. And you say, well, you know, you've been a Christian 40-something years, 50-something years, 60-something years. Your root ought to be good. Well, we can get off course every now and then. You can get some bad roots and bad thinking, bad motivation and bad attitudes. A lot of amens today. Hallelujah. It's okay. Still the truth. Then Jesus went on in Matthew 12, something similar. He said, either make the tree or the root good and its fruit good, or else make the tree or root bad and its fruit bad, for a tree is known by its fruit. People can look at your life and see the fruit and detect the root. We want to talk about three things about the root. Number one, Jesus is the vine or the root. He is the vine or the root. Jesus said in Matthew 15, 5, I'm the vine, I'm the root, you're the branches. He who abides in me, he or she who abides in me, and I in him bears Much fruit, for without me, you can do nothing. Boy, that's a realization we all need to realize. Without him, you can't do anything. Anything worthwhile, 
anything really spiritually, eternally successful, you can't do it without Jesus. You can't do it without the help of the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 11.1 1 says this about the Lord Jesus. Yeshua is, and there shall come forth a rod from the stem. And that word stem, when you look it up, it means a branch or actually a root from the root of Jesse. And a branch shall grow out of his roots, referring to Yeshua Jesus, who would come. Isaiah 11.10, same chapter. And in that day, there shall be a root of Jesse. We know that Jesse was a father, you know, of David, who the lineage goes back and goes forward to Yeshua Jesus. And then he says in Isaiah 53, 2, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. And then the scriptures get very specific who Jesus, Yeshua, was in Revelation 5, 5. But one of the elders said to me, this was a place in heaven where the scroll was brought out and no one was found worthy to be able to open it. Nobody in heaven was worthy to be able to open it. And one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And then in Revelation 22, 16, Jesus says this himself. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David. So Jesus is the vine. He's the root. He's the root because he's God. He's the source. He became a man, and so as a man, he became the offspring of David, who brought salvation, the Messiah. He's the first, the last, he's the beginning and the end, he's the Alpha and the Omega. He is the author and the finisher, perfecter, completer of our faith. And Jesus says in verse 5 of John 15, without me, you can do no thing, nothing. We think sometimes we can do some things, but Jesus said, you can't do anything without him. And Philippians 4.13, the flip of that, I love it when Paul comes back and Paul realizes there's no good thing within our flesh, but Paul says this in Philippians 4.13, through Christ we can do all things, all things. So there's two truths. With Jesus we can do all things. Without Jesus we can do no thing, nothing. When we look at a Greek lexicon about the, the root, it says a, a root is a vine that produces fruit. It's, it, it's, you know, it's, it's something that bears something that's good, tangible, you can see it. A vine that produces fruit. It's a vine producing, a, I'm sorry, a fruit producing vine as opposed to a jungle or wild type of vine. Anybody got weeds in your yard? Or you, got, you, you got those, uh, I don't know what they call it, they, those things that just, they come up volunteer. Those whirly bird seed things that fly through the air in the spring. And you can't get them all. And all of a sudden you see all these yellow flowers in your yard and your grandkids think they're pretty. And you're going, where's the weed, weed roundup? You know, get killed them things. Or, or there's vines. How many of you, you know, when, when, when I ride the horse in the summer, I don't like riding through the woods because you got all kinds of stuff. Ticks, snakes, and all kinds of stuff. So in the summer I stay out of the woods. I found out where I ride, they got ticks in the winter. I'm going, Jesus, what happened? It's kind of weird. But anyway, I don't ride through the woods in the summer because everything is in full blown. And those vines that are dead in the winter, they will get you in the summer. They got thorns on them. And they will trap you. They, they rip at your clothes. And, and I just wear a T-shirt and I've got to come home with rips and tears and scars in my skin. And just like, uh, you know, uh, you, you, 
even some places I've rode before, it almost tears your blue jeans up. We, we went on a trail ride. Oh, God. One summer vacation, Sylvia and I went on a trail ride. And, and, and part of it, they had a horseback ride and trail ride. And I hate those things because you feel like you're being led by a Walmart pony, you know. Put your quarter in and go around in a circle and watch the horses rear in in front of you. you know? I hate those things. But anyway, I told Sylvia, I said, Sylvia, I want to do that. And, and she got thrown from a horse, so she, her rodeo days are over. No more. But she was a good wife, and she wanted to be with me. She said, no, I'll ride with you. I said, Sylvia, I'm serious. You do not have to do this. It is a trail ride. Yeah, it's, it's tame. The horse probably can't even run. And I said, but, but anyway, so we... we we got on the horse. The, the guy put her on her horse first, and everything good, was good until that horse took the first step. And I saw the look on her face, a panic, and, and, and flashback when she got thrown, and I just saw it. I just saw the cloud overhead saying, oh, God, help me. You know, the little word cloud, you know, with words. In. I, said, I looked at her and said, Sylvia, now is the time to decide. If you won't, don't want to go, get down. And, and don't go, and it's okay. But now's the time to decide, because once we get out there, I'm not coming back, he's not coming back, and you're not going to want to come back by yourself. No, I'm going. No, I'm going. Well, she probably wished she got off the horse and didn't go, because the guy was first, she was second, I was bringing up the rear, looking at the horse's little rear in front of me. And uh, so her, the, it was muddy, it rained, it was muddy, it was, it was hills of North Carolina, it was slick, it, the, the trail was only yay wide, and then there's a drop off, and then and, and she goes, she wasn't prepared for it, she got her Chico pants on, <laughs> ladies, you know, Chico, the, the brand, those stretchy things, they're not jeans, I've got my jeans on, but the vines were snatching at her, because she's in front of me, the vines were snatching at her, Snatching at her chicos. She goes, my chicos. I could hear her praying in tongues like I'd never heard her praying in tongues before. And her horse was slipping, and then he'd run, and then he'd, he'd do all this stuff. And we got back. I said, I told you. I told you. But those vines were reaching out. It wasn't just the trail that was rough. Those vines were reaching out and, and, and getting us. And, and, and so this says that it's a vine that produces fruit. Not the kind of wild jungle vine that wants to grab you and stop you and impede your progress from going forward. God's not trying to, God's not trying to put a clamp on you. God's trying to bless you that there's fruit from your life, that he is glorified, and everybody in your fallout range is blessed. God wants you to be a blesser because that's who he is. Jesus said, I'm the vine that produces fruit in your life. I'm not the jungle vine that grows wild in the world that when you're trying to go somewhere and produce fruit, it reaches out and grabs you and tries to stop you. And then secondly, not only is Jesus the vine and the root, we're the branches. He said in John 15, we're the branches. And he said, if you will abide in me and let me abide in you as the branches cannot bear fruit of themselves unless they abide in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Galatians tells us in verse chapter 5 in Galatians, the fruit. What is the Lord looking for in our life? The fruit of the Spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, the long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's the fruit that God's looking for in your life. Now, I know every one of us in this room and even those watching today live streaming, there's none of us that have arrived yet. That's a good place for us all to say amen. You're right, Pastor. But God's goal for us is to have this fruit. 
And we are on a continual process of learning from the Lord. We learn from our mistakes, hopefully. We learn from our failures, hopefully. We learn to humble ourselves to the Lord, hopefully. We learn to receive the help of the Holy Spirit, hopefully. That's the goal that God wants for us, not to continue making the same poor and bad decisions over and over again because he wants our lives to be fruitful and the fruit that God's looking for. If you're wondering, well, what is fruit and what kind of fruit? This is it. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, which is that ugly word, patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the word to bear this, Jesus said, you cannot, you cannot bear fruit. Uh, a branch cannot bear fruit. It means carry fruit. If you, if you bear a burden, you carry a burden. Down south, they say tote. Tote carry. Okay. I'm sorry. Just We bear or carry fruit for two reasons. Here's two reasons the Lord wants us to be fruitful in our life. First is to display God to the world. He says we display true love, peace, joy, long-suffering, kindness, gentleness. Do you see around you the world needs some of this? I know we do. Our family does. Our loved ones do. Our friends do. But do you see the world is, is vastly lacking in that fruit of the Spirit? They, they need this. They need Him. So to display, we carry fruit. God wants us to be fruitful, to, to display Him to the world, to show Him, to manifest Him to the world. Uh, let me look, let me give you a scripture. I don't have it in my notes. Let me find this. Um, Matthew 5, 16. You can, if you're taking notes or get it, I didn't adjust this. I, I, no, I didn't adjust it. Uh, Matthew 5, 16. Jesus said this, let your light shine before men. What's your light? The Jesus in you, the Yeshua in you, the Holy Spirit in you. Let your light, your life, let your light shine before men. Why? That they may see your good works. To do what? And glorify your Father which is in heaven. God wants us to be fruitful so that people see our good works, not trying to earn salvation, but they see our good works, they see our lifestyle, they see our goodness, meekness, gentleness, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, kindness, all that. They see that and they glorify our Father which is in heaven. Because when you demonstrate that kind of fruit to people in the world, they're going to go, what makes you tick? How come you're the way you are when everybody else here is miserable, unhappy, sad, mad, fed up? What makes you so peaceful? What makes you so loving and forgiving? They see your fruit. And that fruit gives you the platform to which you can say, this is how Jesus made me. We can actually probably say, I once was like that. I once was angry. I once was bitter. I once was resentful. I once had a temper problem, anger problem. I once acted like that. I really did. I once did all these things. But now, because of Jesus and the Holy Spirit in me, I don't. And they see your fruit. And what do they do? Wow. See, that's why you and I go through the things that we go through. God is using now everything in your life. Even before you're a Christian, God doesn't waste anything that you have gone through in your life. He uses your B.C., before Christ days, as what you used to be without God. He uses that as a testimony how powerful God can change a life. See, because it's not religion. It's not going to church. It's a relationship. 
And, and, and it's that relationship with Jesus, that, that really knowing him, not knowing about him, not knowing historical facts about him, not knowing, yes, Jesus loves me because the Bible tells me so, not just knowing all those things we're talking, but having the relationship, I know he loves me. I'm not worthy, but I know he does love me because he's good. And when you have that fruit in your life operating on whatever level you're on, some of you are more fruitful than others. But, and, and that's just the way it goes. But we can all have fruit. And, and the desire of the Lord, according to John 15, is that we bear a little fruit. Come on, correct me. Much. A lot. Constant. All the time. Growing. Never stopping. Increasing. Much fruit. That's the Lord's desire for us. And that's the kind of relationship we can have with the Lord. So we, we carry fruit for two reasons. In order to display or manifest the Lord to the world. Not, you know, in true love, peace, not, not the false lust and temporary pleasure that the world has to offer. It, it just, it, it's temporary. And then secondly, the Lord wants us to carry and be fruitful so that people can eat of the fruit. They will taste of the Lord and see he's good because they see your life. Say, wow, God did that for you? Yeah. And you know what the word says? God, the word says God's no respecter of persons. That means what he did for me He'll do for you. See, people don't know that. Well, yeah, you're religious. I had people tell me when I first got saved, my, my friends, my worldly friends, they said, yeah, but you were always kind of religious. I said, that's, that's, not what, that's not what deserved this. I didn't deserve that. It's not because I was kind of religious or, I, try, or was a, I tried to live by the golden rule. It's not because of that. It's because of his mercy, his grace. So people can eat the fruit that you and I exhibit, manifest, and show to them. And then the key here, here's the key. How do, you get, how do you become fruitful? You abide in Him. You abide in Jesus, Yeshua. You come into a relationship with Him. You maintain a relationship with Him. It's not hit and miss. It's, it's a daily relationship. You know, if I didn't talk to Sylvia in the morning, uh, she'd say, hey, what's wrong with you? It's a relationship. It requires communication. Same with the Lord. It's a relationship. It requires communication. God's always talking, and he wants to hear from us, but then he wants us to listen and hear him talk to us too. So that's the abiding that has to happen. Abide means to stay in a place for a long time. That's what abide means, to stay in a place for a long time, and it has the connotation of staying through a struggle. See, our typical reaction when there's a struggle, let's get out of here. Lord, Lord... Uh, get me out of here. Anybody remember Tudor the Turtle cartoon? I don't ever get many responses. Cartoon days. I guess back in the probably 60s. Oh, God. That's a long time ago. Tudor the Turtle. He never was satisfied with what, who he was or where he was. And I'm sorry, but there was a wizard in it. And, you know, this was, this was pre-satanic cartoons. But it was a wizard. And uh, that was his name, Mr. Wizard. And Tudor the Turtle never was satisfied with who he was or, or where, who he was or where he was. And he always had this dream to be somebody, something else, somewhere else. So the wizard made that happen. And, of course, as you know, I guess you know or you will learn, whatever you desire in life that where you're not and you want to be, when you get there, it ain't what you thought it was. <laughs> Very rarely. And that's where we get the sayings that, that, well, the grass is not always greener on the. So Tudor the turtle, nobody, y'all don't remember Tudor? 
Okay, now we got some confession. Now we got, okay. Tudor the turtle. I just had to jog your memory because it's been so long ago. So Tudor gets in trouble. It's not what it's cracked up to be. So he gets in problems. He wants to go back to where he was. So he begins to cry, help, Mr. Wizard. And they go through this incantation thing. And anyway, poof, bing, bang, Tudor's back to where he was. And hopefully he learns a lesson until the next episode. <laughs> Tudor never learned to stay, abide through the struggle where he was then. I've been Tudor the turtle before. Me. How about you? Never staying and abiding through the struggle where you were to see it through. There's a lot to be said about being blessed of the Lord and operating in the gifts of the Lord and, and having favor of God on your life. But I want to tell you what. God rewards and blesses faithfulness above everything else. When you give your word, I just read in Proverbs yesterday morning, when you give your word, it says the man or the woman that keeps their word even when it hurts. How many of you have kept, you promised somebody and to fulfill that you found out, man, this is going to hurt. This is going to cost me something. But, and, and a lot of people just say, well, you know, let me get out of this. Let me weasel, let me talk my way. Let me back out of this and let me just kind of explain. No, the Bible says... The man or the woman that keeps their word, even when it hurts, will be blessed or favored. I forget the end of it. Anyway, the Lord's, the Lord's going to like you. Well, he already does, but you're going to be blessed by him. You're going to be favored by him. Abiding, staying through the struggle. The people that really bear good fruit are the people that stay in a committed relationship with Christ, even through the struggles. And there are many. Those who serve Christ through the struggle, meaning not going in and out, but staying faithful no matter what. If you're a believer and you stay through the struggle of a marriage. Marriage is, marriage is difficult. Marriage is designed to kill you. <laughs> kill your flesh. I know this is not marriage conference, but let me say this. Oh, God, I'm digging a hole now. Marriage is really designed, and if you're not married yet, just it gets better, okay? Okay, it gets better. Marriage is designed to help you to learn to serve somebody else. See, because most of us say, well, I'm going to get married because he will do all this. I'm going to get married because she will be all this for me. That's wrong. And most of us don't know that because our culture doesn't say that, and the church isn't teaching enough on this. But you get married because you want to serve that person. And that's the only real, that's the only way you're going to have a happy marriage. Not that they're going to serve me and they're going to make me happy. The goal of marriage is not to make you happy. The goal of marriage is to help that other person become complete. And then the goal of that other person should be to help you become complete. We're going to hear about this in February. <laughs> yeah, we are from Joe McGee. He's going to fix us. You're going to fix this. If you're a believer and uh, you stay faithful through the struggle of your business, your income issues, you stay faithful and you keep tithing, you keep giving, you keep being faithful to the Lord, the Lord's going to bring you through it. You say, well, I don't understand how. Neither do I. He's a supernatural miracle working God. But if you'll stay faithful, he will see you through. 
Stay faithful at church even when things happen among people that you don't approve of, like, or hurts you. You stay faithful to God. You stay faithful. You stay faithful because you made a covenant commitment to God and to a congregation. You stay faithful. You don't bail out. You don't run away. You don't get mad. You don't you jump. Well, I'll teach them. I'll quit paying tithe. You don't get, well, I, I, won't, I just won't go anymore. I won't support them. You're fa- you stay faithful. You stay faithful raising your kids when you'd like to send them back where they came from. You stay faithful. You resist temptation when temptation is just breathing on you and pulling on you and just about to take you under. You stay faithful to God. You stay faithful to the Lord. You cry out to God and say, God, help me. I'm weak. And he says, I know you are, and that's why I've given you the Holy Spirit. So pray in the Holy Spirit because you'll pray the will of God, and you'll be strengthened. You'll edify. You'll comfort. You'll help yourself. So you stay faithful in the word. You stay faithful in prayer. You stay faithful in serving. Listen, when you, when you don't feel like serving God, that's when you need to serve him and turn it on even more. You need to say, devil, I'm going to show you where my heart and my love really is because Jesus didn't feel like maybe going to the cross and I may not feel like serving the Lord, but I'm going to do what Jesus did. I'm going to do it anyway and I'm going to fulfill the Father's will in my life just like my Savior and model the Lord Jesus did. Amen. Thirdly, Jesus is the vine, we're the uh, branches, the Father is the vine dresser. Jesus said in John 15, 1, I'm the true vine, my Father is the vine dresser. The vine dresser means he's the owner of the vineyard. Take you back to Isaiah 5, beautiful, beautiful discourse in Isaiah 5 about the Lord planting the vineyard, Israel, his people. It applies to us today too. He said, now let me sing to my well-beloved a song of the beloved regarding his vineyard. My well-beloved has a vineyard on a very fruitful hill. He dug it out and cleared out its stone. How many of you have ever had to dig out a garden or a vineyard out of rock and bad ground and then bring in good soil? This is what it's saying. Listen, if you've never been to Israel, if they could find out what to do with rocks, they would be bazillionaires, whatever that is, bazillion. I mean, that's all that place is, is rock. And they have to clear fields and everything. So he dug it out, cleared out its stones, planted it with a choicest vine, a good one. Not one that he got cheap, not one that was half dead, a good one. He built a tower in its midst, meaning to watch over it, to keep the foxes and all the other animals. You know those little, how many of you got deer? You're in a place where the deer come, they eat everything you plant. Rabbits, squirrels. We won't talk about how to eliminate that, but it's frustrating. He built a tower to protect it from all of the critters. And he also made a wine press in it. Why? So he expected it to bring forth good grapes, but it brought forth wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem, men of Judah, judge me, judge please, between me and my vineyard. This is the Lord speaking. This is what I did for Israel. I took them out of a bad situation. I planted them in a good situation in the land that was their promised land. There would be milk and honey flowing with milk and honey. And, and what did he do? It He expected there to be them to bring forth good grapes. But what did Israel do? They brought wild grapes. They were wild. They were rebellious. They, they worshiped. They worshiped idols. They burned, offered their children to the, to the gods of fire. And, and, you know, we think we just sanitize it. We call it abortion today or a choice today. And they, they offered their children to the fire of the idol gods. He said, now judge between me and my vineyard. What, this is the Lord. This is God, the Father himself, saying, what more could have been done to my vineyard that I have not done? 
God said, I did everything right. I did everything for them. I did everything to make them fruitful, successful. I did everything that they would prosper. I did everything to show them how much I loved them. And what did I get out of it in return? Bad grapes, bad fruit. The Lord said, why then? When I expected it to bring forth good grapes, did it bring forth wild grapes? And now please let me tell you what I will do to my vineyard. God wasn't happy. He said, I'll take away its hedge and it shall be burned and break down its walls. Listen, you and I have a hedge of protection, the word of God. But when you violate that word of God, you open yourself up to be a target of the enemy. When you take yourself out from under the covenant of God and his word, you become a target of the enemy. You become unprotected. It's a very foolish move to make. God said, I'm going to take away its hedge. It shall be burned and break down its wall. It shall be trampled upon. I'll lay it waste. and It shall, it shall not be pruned or dug. In other words, God said, I quit. Prune it, pruning and, and digging around it so it will be even more fruitful. God said, I quit. I'm not dealing with you anymore. I'm going to leave you to yourself. The worst thing that could happen to you and me is if God left us to ourselves. And didn't deal with us in his mercy and his grace. He said, I'll also command the clouds that they rain, no rain on it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. That was the Jewish people, but it also represents us that have been grafted in. And so now we are who it's talking about, God's people. Then Jesus says this back in Matthew 21. Hear another parable. Jesus referred to that. Hear another parable. There was a certain landowner who planted a vineyard and set a hedge around it. He dug a wine press in it and built a tower. Sounds just like Isaiah 5. And he, the landowner, leased it to the vine dressers, and then he went off into a far country. Now, when the vintage time, time for grapes and harvest, drew near, he sent his servants to the vine dressers that they might receive its fruit. Why? Because it was his. He was the owner. It belonged to him. The others were just servants to work it. And the vine dressers took his servants, beat one, killed one, stoned another. And again, he sent other servants more than the first, and they did, did likewise to them. Jesus is telling this parable, hear this, Jesus is telling this parable seven days before he's going to be crucified. He's talking about himself being the son who the landowner sent to the vineyard workers to do what? Gather fruit out of their lives, out of Israel's life. But look what happens to him. Then last of all, he sent his son to them, saying, they'll respect my son. And in Luke 20, Jesus, in Luke's version of it, then the owner of the vineyard said, what shall I do? I'll send my beloved son. They will respect him when they see him. Mark shifts to Mark. Jesus said, and it's told the way Mark tells it in Mark 12, 6. Therefore, still having one son, his beloved, he also sent him to them last, saying, they'll respect my son. Matthew 21 Back to Matthew's version. But when the vine dressers saw the son, not just the workers, saw the son of the owner, they said among themselves, hey, this is the heir. This is the guy that if something happens to the owner, he's getting it next. Come, let's kill him and seize him the inheritance. So they took him and cast him out of the vineyard and they killed him. This is what they did to Jesus. He was the son. He came to see the fruit that Israel was supposed to be bearing. That's the whole thing about Jesus cursing the fig tree. It was seasoned for it to have fruit, and it didn't. When he walked up to it and reached through the leaves, it didn't have fruit. Jesus cursed it. It was a parable to Israel. They were supposed to be bearing fruit. It was their season to bear fruit, and there wasn't any, and he cursed them. 
He did what he said he'd do in Isaiah 5. No rain. I'm not going to dig. I'm not going to plow. And that's why the gospel turned to the Gentiles for the season that it has. Uh, another story. Hebrews says that when they, the book of Hebrews says when they crucified Jesus, they took him outside the city because that's where the scapegoat was killed. Jesus became our scapegoat. Our sins were placed on him, sent out. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those vine dressers? Wow. What's going to happen to the people that don't accept God's vine, the root of Jesse, the, son, the root of the son of David? What's going to happen to those that reject the vine, the root, the real source of life? What's going to happen to them? If you're not a Christ follower, a believer here today or somewhere listening and hearing this, and maybe you say, yes, I believe in the Lord Jesus. Listen, a lot of people believe and say they believe in the Lord Jesus, but they don't follow him. They don't have a relationship conversion. They have a religious experience, and, and religion to them is coming and showing up and singing the songs and, and, and watching or, or you know, kind of being entertained sometimes by the music and the worship and maybe putting a few bucks in the plate or the basket or whatever the collection uh, thing is, you know, and, and just kind of sh showing up, you know, when they want to. A follower of Jesus abides with him, stays with him through it all, commits to him no matter what. And if you're just a Christ uh, you know, follower, and you say, well, I believe in him, but you're not really following him. You know, we need to be honest. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't just put on a show and act like if you're not a Christ follower, you have a choice. And here's the choice. That word keeps coming up in my life. Here's the choice. You're going to either accept the vine that the Father sent, or you're going to reject him. And because the, the bad fruit is in your life now, you're, you're seeing bad fruit come out of your life now, because Jesus is not your root. If you'll make Jesus the root of your life, he supernaturally can turn the circumstances of your life around. He can start bringing the blessing. It's called the gospel of, of redemption and lift. Most people, most people that accept the Lord, they start paying their tithe. They start giving to the Lord. They start praising the Lord. They start worshiping the Lord. They start serving the Lord. And the Lord starts lifting them up, not only spiritually, but he starts lifting them up out of the poorness, out of poverty, out of, out of all that poverty mentality. The Lord starts lifting you up that you actually in this life materially, physically start to enjoy a better way of life. How many of that's happened to you here this morning? Man, I didn't have anything. I had nothing. My parents had it all. I was an 18-year-old. I had nothing to show for my life. But when I surrendered to Jesus, things began, everything, not just things, everything began to change. I began to have direction and purpose and meaning in my life. I had a reason and a focus to live. I had a goal. I had something to work towards. And, and, and along the path of that, he gives me a beautiful wife, that, a helpmate that's going to help me do it. And, and just, and yes, the Lord's blessed us. I know I'm not rich, but whenever I have a need, my needs are met according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. It doesn't have to be in the bank for me right now. When I have a need, it will come. It, will, it always has. It just always has. I mean, with my job, with my salary, with my job, I can work all I want overtime, and all I get is tired. I don't get an increase. I don't get overtime. I just get tired or blessed. I'd rather say, I probably should say blessed. But then I have to take, you know, some time rest. But my testimony is God has never, 
never let me down. Never left me stranded. Never left me without. Now, I've been in some tight situations. I've been in some situations. But when I call upon him, he said, well, he already, he already knows what we have. We have need of. Yes, but he wants us to call upon him. He wants us to recognize and honor him. He is Abba, Father, Daddy, the Lord God, my creator, my sustainer, my provider, my healer, my rescuer, my redeemer, my rock, my whatever I need, wherever I need. He is there. That's his promise. I'll never fail you, leave you, or forsake you. What should I be afraid of what man and human can do to me? Their man's not the final answer. He is. He's my creator. He's my redeemer. He called me. And this is not just applies to ministers. It applies if you're a child of God. It'll work for you because you love him. Now, so if the fruit's bad in your life, it's because Jesus is not your root. But you can solve that today. You can change that today. Even if you are a believer, you too have a choice. If, if you're going uh, to abide through the struggle uh, that's your choice. Are you going to abide through the struggle you're in right now? Are you going to stay in a committed relationship to Jesus and other believers no matter what you're going through? That's your choice. Are you going to allow the Holy Spirit to convict you of hidden sin? Come on, we got it. We've got them. We've got them. We've got these little pet sins. And we see it in everybody else, but we can't see it in ourselves. We can see the beam in, we can see the speck in their eye, but we can't see the beam in our own, Jesus said. Are you and I going to be committed to this transformation, confirmation process that the Lord's bringing us through to make us more like Yeshua Jesus, to allow the Holy Spirit to convict us of any hidden sin or hindrances in our lifestyle choices that are holding us back from what? Being fruitful. Being, bringing Him much fruit. Because see, there's coming, there is coming a day. Some of us will face it, will die, and what you do in this life determines where you're going to spend eternity. Your reception of Jesus or your rejection of him, your following him or your failure to follow him, it's going to determine where you spend eternity. But there's coming a day, every one of us, even as children of God, we're going to stand before him. And for us as children of God, he's going to, I don't know exactly what question that's up to God but it's going to be something like this. It's going to be about stewardship. And I don't mean just money, but it will include that probably. How you spent, invested your life to bring glory to him. Because all through from the beginning to the end, what is God looking for? Fruitfulness. He's looking for fruit out of your life. But if your root's bad, you're not going to bear good fruit. So this is just really timely today to call for the fast. And I didn't, I didn't plan it this way. It just kind of like, pff, I hope it, I trust it's Holy Ghost. That this is a good time here in this message today. Say, Lord, how about my roots? Do you have enough, do you have enough faith, courage to say, Lord, look at my roots? He already knows. He's been waiting for you to give him the invitation because he doesn't barge in. He doesn't bust into your life. He doesn't kick the door down and say, hey, you're all messed up. Let's deal with this. Because you and I wouldn't be receptive. This only works when we're receptive. It's just like receiving Jesus as Savior. It only works when you are willing to meet him on his terms. So this is a good season. This is a good time. This Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, this is a good time to say, Lord, 
what are the roots in my life? How are the roots in my life? Lord, is there, is there some roots in my life that are causing bad fruit or lack of fruit and are hindering me from producing the good and the much fruit that you want to bring into my life? It's, it is for the glory of God, but I tell you this, it's also for your blessing and your benefit. So you will benefit from it. Amen. Let's stand together, please, with me.